0: Amen. Give somebody a high five this morning. Tell them God's on the move. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning. You ready to receive the Word of God this morning? You ready to be filled? Ready to feed on the goodness of God? Well, as I've said before, and as uh, Brittany shared it. Brittany, thank you so much for uh, sharing with us. That was uh, powerful. Um, I'm excited as we're moving forward as a church. We're taking steps. Two services, small groups. Um, quickly, can we just also welcome our live audience watching on YouTube? Those can't be at church, can we just give a hand clap, welcome them into the room. We're glad they're here. Uh, last week, Ms. Uh, Judy Combs, she showed us, I noticed her when she was welcoming our live audience, she stuck her hands up and just waved backwards, so feel free to, to do that as well toward the camera if you don't want to turn around. Uh, but quickly, we are in the, uh, the season of Advent, so I just want to uh, just light our candles, take a moment and honor the, the Christmas season. Last week, we looked at uh, the season of hope and, and expectation, and we're thankful for the hope that we have in God, so we're going to continue that on uh, this morning and this week, as we're on our, our second week of Advent, the coming, the arrival of Christmas, uh, we uh, are in a season of that preparation, that we want to make room uh, for God. If you go and you read the Gospels of what the focus of the second week is, um, it shows the Gospel where Mary and Joseph, Mary pregnant, is heading uh, to Bethlehem. And uh, they go to the end, you know the story, and they said that there's no room. And the focus is, is that we wouldn't be ones to tell Christ that there's no room for him in our lives. So, this morning, as you see the candle of hope and as you see the candle of, of preparation, uh, that you would make a conscious decision this week to prepare and to make room, that we won't tell Christ we don't have room for him. Because that's what the, he's the reason for the season, amen? All righty, so this morning, um, I want to encourage some, some parents this morning, I want to encourage some grandparents. Uh, as I've shared with you uh, weeks, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, that I want to take this time leading up to this leap of faith we're making as a church and encourage you, open up the doors of what God is doing in and through some different ministries, what he's doing in our school, and our children's ministries, that God is on the move doing some powerful things. Um, as you see the, the sign that's sitting here, this is what it's all about, is uh, we're going to look at some Mother Teresa quotes this morning. Uh, And the title of the message is Raise Them Right. Look at somebody and say, raise them right. How many of you know that if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, your greatest calling is your family, is your children, is making sure that you're creating a home or doing what you can do to lead them to make a decision to follow Jesus and to have the power of God in their life. So we want to look at what it, it means to raise them right. I think we can all say Mother Teresa is someone to honor of how she loves children, even outside of her own children. I look at many of you moms and grandmas, children's volunteers, that you've loved so many children. You've loved me, and you weren't my mom, or you weren't my dad. You've looked out for so many kids in this house that there is such a strong anointing upon this body to raise up world changers. And that's something as we move forward, I pray that we get into the depth of and we release even more of that anointing in this season and in this hour to raise up world changers. Somebody said amen. Good preaching, Pastor Garrett. So I want to look at at our scripture this morning and encourage you. Here's what the word of God says in Psalms 112, 1 through 4, and then I'll look at verse 6. It says, how joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands love this right here, their children will be successful everywhere. Look at somebody and say successful everywhere. everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous people. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. As I was praying this week and reading this scripture, verse 2 really stuck out to me. It says that their children will be successful everywhere. I believe because of the anointing and the mantle that's on this house that many of you have fought to protect and to keep and to be a a, a hospital for children, for your families to come and receive healing through all seasons of life, that this is a blessing. When we focus on children, when we put effort to, to have a school when, you, again, as I've said before, sometimes when we're looking at the school and planning and trying to move it forward, you write it down on paper, God, we need a miracle this week. Yes, yes. But there's something powerful about, as Mother Teresa says, hey, if you really want to change the world, go home and love your family. Right. There's something powerful when you, you put the focus or really when you look at what is success defined by God. And that's what I want to look at this morning of, of what is real biblical success and how can we all play a part in this because you play a part yes in the home but then we play a part together in the body of Christ as we raise up world changers here at our school and here in our GPC kids so I was looking up some statistics and all these different things and there was this definition of what really culture has a definition of raising kids and raising families and then the, the body of Christ based on biblical authority should have a different definition on what it means to raise kids and have healthy homes. So I I put it in this nutshell. Uh, It says, this is what culture says. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Culture says that success in raising kids is making them well-rounded, well-educated, and happy kids. Not a bad goal to make them well-rounded, well-educated, happy kids, but I want to pose to you this morning that that's just not full enough. That is the body of Christ. We can go way beyond that. And we can raise up, again, as I said, world changers. Education, again, is not a bad thing. But you, parents, grandparents, you know, and I look from my perspective of of my upbringing all the way through the school here and in this church, is I could have gotten a 36 on my ACT. God, that would have been amazing. (laughs) Wasn't a part of my story on that part. But... We can educate our kids and they can be smart and excel in the classroom. But how many of you know if there's not the character, the integrity, the morals, the understanding of God's ways, then all of that education in the long run isn't the biggest win that you want for your kids. So as the church, as a Christian community of a school that we have here, we have the ability to do both. We can teach character, God's word, integrity, morals, being polite. How many of you can say that we've lost in our culture just simply children being polite? What's neat, if you go and you uh, talk to any one of our students here at the school, there's yes, sir, yes, ma'am. They'll even open a door for you when you walk in, male or female. That's how amazing these kids are. But I want to look at some quotes of Mother Teresa and just encourage you through her lens and through her eyes of the beauty that she saw in raising children. And raising home and the emphasis that she put on it. Uh, You see our quote there that I just read. Another one is, whatever you do for your family, your children, your husband, your wife, you do for God. All we do, our prayers, our work, our suffering is for Jesus. So there's a bigger picture at work when you sacrifice and you get in your family and believe God to transform your children, your marriage, all those areas of your life. She also says, love begins at home. It's not how much we do, but how much we, we love, the love we put into that action. So not how many right. things we can check off of how we love our family, but hey, let's do a quality time with our kids and let's put a lot of love into this moment and make sure that they know that they are loved and that God loves them. Right. Right. Another one is the way you help heal the world is that you start with your own family. Last one, never worry about numbers. Help one at a time and always start with those nearest to you. I think that's even a word for our churches. Don't worry about numbers. We just want to fill seats. That's never my heart as your pastor. My heart is that we would love each other right where we're at and that we would care the love of God to each and every one of us. So this is what I want to share. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is what I believe our calling here in our children's ministry in our school, for you as parents in your homes, because the church and, the, and your home work together. It shouldn't be one where you drive by, you throw your kids out the door, and hey, church, deal with it, right? <laughs> be a little too easy. But it should be the family working together. What's happening in the home, the church is encouraging your home. Right, right. But look what I believe our calling is here, and this is, again, I'm preaching from my experience, one who doesn't have children, but one day, Will, I, I will say I'm looking forward to the day when I can add the title of a dad to my life. But I believe this is what uh, we are called to do here, and this is what will consume us and be our passion as we move forward. Look at this, and it should be on the screen behind you, again, if you're taking notes. It says that we are called to unleash Christ-centered, spirit-filled, biblically-anchored world changers. That should fire you up. It's fired me up, so I'm gonna read it again. We are called, somebody say, unleash. unleash. To unleash Christ-centered, spirit-filled, biblically anchored world changers. I believe this is what was unleashed in my life. This morning, in intercessory prayer, we took some time and we prayed for our school and our children's ministry, prayed for you as you're raising children, your grandchildren. You might say, Well, Pastor Garrett, I don't even have kids. I don't have grandkids. Well, guess what? One day you will. And you might serve in, in our children's ministry. Or you might have little ones. All of us, if we come together and do our part, we can raise up spirit-filled, Christ-centered, biblically anchored world changers. So I think that is a fuller picture of what we can do as the church and what we can raise up in our kids. Well, you might say, Pastor Garrett, I have two, three, four, five kids I'm just trying to pay the bills. I'm just trying to keep everyone fed. I'm just trying to make sure everyone doesn't smell when they walk out of the house. (laughs) Raising kids is tough business. And I commend all of you who were parents in raising children. But I think, and here's where I want to encourage all of you, is how do we get to that place? And I want to share three points that I believe as God has been stirring in me of how we can get to this place of making sure this is happening in the home and happening in our church. So number one, what I believe is as parents, as a church, I, you have to understand, before I get to the point, we have to understand that we can't force our kids to confess Christ, right? We just can't look at them with the Bible and go through scripture and say, you're gonna confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or we just can't do the passive side and unlock the door and throw them out to the church and by God, hopefully they hear something where it's leads them to Christ. So we can't force and we can't be passive about it. But what I believe we can do, what you can do as parents, is you can manage what your kids are exposed to. You can manage exposure. I'm going to look at what it looks like of what you can do as a parent, what we can do as a a church to make sure our kids, our grandkids, are exposed to the things of God. Because God puts that in our hands. I know from personal experience, being in the school, Being in a a healthy youth group, being um, uh, in a healthy home, doing all the things that all of you played a part in if you've been here throughout the years, to make sure not only myself but many of us have been able to experience God. And I know that's the heart of all of you. And you might be sitting here, well, Gary, I feel like a failure as a parent. I've had some tough knocks uh, raising my kids. Well, I want to tell you that it's never too late, that the song we just sang, when Christ ascended the cross as a victor. He made a way for grace to be deposited into your life where you will have the power of the Holy Spirit to raise your kids, to raise your grandkids, to have godly influence in your home. So no, it's not too late. Well, Garrett, my kids are grown up. Well, guess what? Your prayers still work. Your conversation still works with And as a parent, you have some of the biggest influence more than anyone else has in their life. So I believe wherever you find yourself, it's never too late. And let's believe what I'm seeing God doing is a stirring in our generation, bringing people back into the things of God. Most people under the age of 30 will tell you when it comes to church as an institution that we're done with it. We write it off. I don't like it. I had a bad experience with a kid. I'm just going to get my Bible and uh, turn on some worship music in the house, and that's going to be my church. But I know all of you are here this morning because you've experienced the power of community. You've experienced the power of the church. What God can do when we come together and worship and believe for miracles. And we can see God begin to heal and change and encourage and empower our families. So three things to help you manage exposure with your children. Uh, Number one is expose them. If you're taking notes, write this down. Expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. Expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. Jesus says in John 17, 3, his last prayer, uh, before he takes the last supper with his disciples, he said, this is eternal life that they may know my Father. Jesus' heart for all of us and for all of you is that there would be a knowing, yes, that we would know God and have that personal relationship. Because we know the basics of Christianity, it's not religion, it's not just this rules, the set of things we have to do, but it is a a zealous, a fervent relationship with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. That when you're going through tough times, aren't you thankful you can hear His voice and get divine direction in your life? When you need healing in your life, Judy, we're believing for healing, healing for you and we're happy you're here this morning. And I believe we did, I believe in miracles just for you this morning. And we're happy you're here and receive that this morning. So that's a perfect example. When we come together, there can be power for you to receive a miracle in your life. So exposing your children, exposing, you know, I think of of the school. We have uh, half the percentage of kids at our school uh, don't go to church. They don't have, their parents don't go to church anywhere on Sundays. So guess what? Monday through Friday, they're going to church Every day when they walk through the halls here, they're in Bible class, they're in chapel. We're having chapel services this year, and man, we're seeing God move and touch the children here as we're having times of altar ministry, as we're teaching God's truth. God is moving in the lives of children here at the school. I love what this scripture says, too, when it comes to exposure. It says, this is a proverb, this is wisdom for you, it says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. So how many of you know, whoever your kids' friends are is important. Whoever you're exposing them around. You want to put them around wisdom or wise people. Those of a like heart and a like mind of how you're trying to raise your children and your grandchildren. John seventeen seventeen says uh, that they would be sanctified. I didn't put this back there, but that they would be sanctified through the truth and through the spirit of God. You know, we look at culture's definition where we want children to be happy. We don't see that anywhere in the Bible. What we see is that they would be holy as I am holy. Not be happy as I am happy, but they would be holy as I am holy. And how do we pursue holiness in our life? We allow the truth, correct doctrine, right theology to sanctify our lives. And then we allow the Spirit of God to come in what He does does best because here's the thing when you get truth revealed to you your eyes get get open you see the wonder of God and how he can move and then that's when the spirit of God can come and begin to build a relationship in the heart of that person and again that's what we see happen every day here at the school and that's what we I I love hearing stories of happening in your kids and in your grandkids so one it's exposing them to knowing God personally you know, one way that I've seen many of you of how you've raised your kids in your home is when you're going through a good time or when you're going through a bad time, you're giving God glory. And there's something about when you're raising your kids, say you're in a time of plenty, you're able to go on vacations or God's blessing you with a, a nice car to drive or a, house to, a warm house to live in. What you can do, and this is what I saw growing up, is that the glory was always given to God. What I would always hear say is, you know, look how God has blessed us. I'd always hear Pastor Joyce with his church, look how God has blessed us. So guess what that's doing? Your kids are hearing, man, God is is providing for us. And then one day they're going to be able to say the same thing, man, look how God has blessed me. Seeing the blessing of God for yourself. And that's what I love about our scripture we read, that it would go on from one generation to generation. Because I think one of the most powerful things you can do as a parent and what we can do is that our kids would know the goodness of God. I think that's the most powerful thing, that the goodness of God would be released. So one, it's exposing them to the joy of knowing God personally. Number two is exposing them to the presence and the power of God in his church. Man, there's something about when you can experience God It's like I said, in community when you can experience the power of God in community. And that's where I want to encourage all of you is we take this leap of faith into two services that you would do whatever you can do. We will salt the uh, parking lot. We will even plow the roads to get you here to church this year, okay? I'm kidding, of course, on that. But we want, I want you to, to feel the, the excitement and the momentum, man, that God could move in your life and you can be a part of what God is doing. So again, it's exposing them to the presence and the power of God in the church. I think one thing is apparent. You know, there's a lot of optional things in life, but there's few things that are optional. You know, one thing growing up, and I think sometimes we were even more excited than my parents were about going to church. But one thing I always knew is that church wasn't an optional thing on Sunday mornings. We were waking up and we were getting to church. But it wasn't just like, dear Lord, i got to get to church. It was, man, I'm excited to get to church this morning. And so there's something powerful about as parents, when you represent God's church, when you represent the kingdom of God in your home, man, that this is a place where you can experience and you can know and learn who God is. You know, as I said, things aren't always optional. When your kids don't think church is optional, guess what, when they grow up and have to get their first job, they're going to know that work isn't an optional thing. Right. But man, I got to get to work. And if I don't show up to work, guess what, I'm not going to have a job. Right. Right. So again, there's power in exposing them to the presence and power of God and His church. You know, what, what I've seen, and I know many of you have, the blessing of God flowing and operating in your life is that when you make a decision as a family or you make a decision as just a follower of Christ, that my life is going to revolve around the work of God and his church. And then everything else, I will, God will make a way for That's a truth that I've seen, and I hope you've seen too, is that when you put God first, guess what? Somehow, way, it's a supernatural act. God takes care of everything else in your life because your priorities are straight. God blesses right priority. It's a principle, as you see in God's word, when you keep his priority straight, blessing flows through your home and through your life. And it says their children will be successful. Who's theirs? It's the church's. It's ours. When you keep God's priority, their children, your children, your grandchildren will be blessed. And again, when we worship God in community, we can hear God. We can feel God. We can experience him. There's something powerful that's going to happen. I believe a greater anointing is coming into this house as we move forward and as we step out in faith, because it's usually when we step out of faith, we get out of our comfort zone, is when God gets the space to come and move and do what he does best. So I'm believing that for all of you, is that wherever you find your home life, wherever you find your situation, the biggest thing you can do is to go home and love your family and watch what God can do, and to bring your family into the hospital, the house of God, so that your children can experience God and begin to know him personally like never before. And I'm excited as Cole and my sister-in-law Becca are running with our GPC kids that Cole, I'm believing God's going to give you creative ideas and ways to reach this generation where they can experience God and know him personally in GPC kids this year. So if you can think, encourage both of them as they're taking on this great task, as they're having many children right now in their lives. Number three, quickly, is expose them to the thrill of being used by God. Oh, man. I've told this story before, but I can remember when I was uh, on my second mission trip, and uh, uh, God really did a lot in in my life, and I was 14, 15 years old, and um, what we would usually do is we would build a house, and then one team would go out and evangelize and and do street ministry. And... uh, Jenny, our youth pastor, had taken out a team, and we were back uh, building the house, and so we switched, and then I went out and started doing street ministry and praying and, and, and doing everything we know to do, and I can remember beginning to see, man, when we go up to these people ho- people's houses, and we begin to talk with them and share the gospel with them, they begin to cry. God touches them. They receive salvation for the first time. It's like a shot of adrenaline hit my veins, and I'm like, man, this is awesome, And so we would go to the next house, and we would see God move, and the next house, and we would see God move. And God would use me and would use all of us that were there in that group. And then we would go back, and then we'd have to switch out again. And I can remember begging Miss Jenny, Miss Jenny, don't put me back on nailing up wood on a house. Please let me keep going out and experience the thrill of being used by God. I look at that. That would have never happened if a sacrifice by all of you was not made to financially support us to get on mission trips, or my parents somewhere along the line said, yes, you're young, but you can go to Mexico and do ministry. All of you have made those decisions throughout your life for your children to experience the thrill of being used by God. There's no better high than getting high on the most high. And teenagers need to know that and experience that and see that. You can tweet that out. It's my pastor humor of the day. So there's something about, again, as we manage exposure. And I actually want to put a, uh, um, a review that uh, my cousin Lauren had did of our school. Uh, Kenny, if you could put that up. And she mentioned something about uh, exposure. And I thought it was so good, but I just want to read this to you. And this is uh, my oldest cousin, Lauren. But she put, I attended ZCA from pre-K to eighth grade. Currently, and for the past few years, I've worked within the public school system. As a school-based mental health therapist during this time, I've realized how blessed I was to have had a private Christian education that protected me from